Our third scripture reading, John 17, 20 through 26. I pray not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their message. I pray that they may all be one. Father, may they be in us, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be one, so that the world will believe that you sent me. I gave them the same glory you gave me, so that they may be one, just as you and I are one. I am in I in them and you in me, so that they may be completely one in order that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them as you love me. Father, you have given them to me and I want them to be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me, for you loved me before the world was made. Righteous Father, the world does not know you but I know you, and these know that you sent me. I made you known to them, and I will continue to do so, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and so that I also may be in them. Okay, for those that know me, pace a little. So I had to turn on the mic so I can pace around, right? I have to admit, when I read that scripture, I was taken a little back. I didn't remember it. And I said, oh my, what does that mean? What does it mean that we will be in Jesus as Jesus is, is, is in God? That's a, that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? What does that mean? But Jesus told us, he told us what it meant. He told us of the love he has and the love God has for us. All three of the scriptures today, they were rather interesting. Paul and Celis, I, I talked to the children about being wrongly accused, but something I didn't talk to him about, and it, and it rattled in my head, Paul didn't order the demon out right away, did he? It was days. And what was the demon doing? He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't gnawing at him and saying, go away, go away, etc., etc. He was saying, these two are messengers of God. But Paul got aggravated because they kept saying it. Oh, how many of you have been aggravated for something that actually you probably shouldn't have been aggravated for? That would be me. And I thought about it. So why was Paul aggravated when the demon was saying, these are the messengers of God? But he did. And what did he do? He said, in the name of Jesus, you're out of here. And of course, in the name of Jesus, the demon obeyed and was gone. Now, I thought of this also, this slave girl. What was her life like? Most likely, her owners treated her fairly well because she had a skill that they could make money on. Well, Paul just took that away. We hear nothing more of the slave girl. We know nothing more of her life. But she no longer had a skill that her owners could profit by. 
So I can't imagine that it actually made her life better. But is it actually the life that we're looking at here, or is it the life after? And then what did the owners do? They discovered they no longer could make money. Now, did they have a, did they have a legal redress? Now, some might know, but I know a little bit about the law. At least I got a snicker. Come on, I'm a lawyer. So what did they do? They went and said, these two men are preaching things that we can't have. We're Roman citizens. They're Jews. Do something. But the thing that is, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. But what did they do? They took them and they beat them and threw them into prison. Obviously, this wasn't fair, this wasn't just, this wasn't right. But what did God do with that? He made an opportunity. He, there was an earthquake, the doors flung open. Could Paul and Silas and all the other prisoners, could they have left? In the Bible, it makes it fairly clear that they could have. But they didn't. Even though they were wronged, they stood to say, we will do what is right, even when others are doing wrong. But what happened then? The jailer was trembling and said, how, do I, how am I saved? And what did Paul say? Accept Jesus as your Savior. And the jailer took him and fed him and listened to their preachings. So God took a tragedy, an injustice, and he turned it around and said, I'm going to reach somebody. Have you ever had that where what you had planned did not go well, you didn't think it was right, but it wound up being better than what you thought it could have been? Anybody have that happen? I know I, know I have. <clears throat> and then what happened? The authority said, oh, release them. So the jailer got this word. The soldiers came and said, oh, you get to be released. And Paul and Silas said, no, 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 no. We're Roman citizens. You had us beat and thrown in jail. You come and apologize to us because this wasn't right. And they did. They did because they knew it was wrong. Now, they also asked them to quietly leave the city because they knew they were wrong. But I want you to take a step and remember, even when things are going poorly, when when it's not going your way or it's not going right. Leave it in God's hands. He has a plan. Now, I also, in Revelations, it says, I am coming soon. Now, one of the things it says is that those who wash their robes clean have a right to eat the fruit from the tree of life and go into the city. Once again, I'm an attorney. So what does a right mean? What is a right? It doesn't mean that they'll consider it. It doesn't mean that you ask for leave to do. A right is a right. You have the right to go into the city, to eat the fruit of life. So then, of course, I started thinking about that and said, what, 
What does it mean to wash their robes clean? In this verse, it didn't define it totally, but it did say that outside the walls will be the immoral, the murderers, the liars, the liars in word and deed. And Paul had told us earlier, to have salvation, it is to accept Jesus. So then I, I, I said, okay, this right, is it for all? Is the right of entering the city of God, is that a right for all? It is a right as much as when you grab it. You seize it. How many people have seized an opportunity? I see a couple of hands go up. Well, that's what this is. It's an opportunity. But the right comes from washing your robes clean, to accept Jesus, to accept that love. So what does that look like? If we say that we are followers of Jesus, that we accept Jesus, can we say we accept Jesus and then look down on others? Can we say we accept Jesus and then think poorly of others? I mean, even those that are most in need, are those the ones that we look down upon? I know, again, I'm an attorney. I see lots of people in need. But it is not mine to judge them, and it is not mine to look down upon them. For I know God has the same love for them as he has for me. Does that mean that they are struggling? Sometimes very much so. Sometimes it is us that are the helping hand. It is sometimes us, well, God doesn't say to be blind. Some people will cheat and steal and be liars. And of course, we don't embrace those attributes. But we know the value of the soul. If you think of it, when you first dig up a chunk of gold, say you have a pound of gold, but when you first dig it up, there's mud and it's caked and it's kind of, lashed with everything else, does that lessen the value of the gold within? Yes? No? Maybe so? Not even a little bit. It has to be washed. It has to be cleaned, and, and sometimes we smelt it and put it into nice bars so it's all... But it doesn't reduce the value. And let us remember that value. God has embraced all of us, and the right is all of ours to grab. Just as if you go to the store and you pull out your money and you pay for a Snickers candy bar, you now have a right to that candy bar as soon as you pay for it. You have to accept Jesus. I have a question in my notes, and it says, what do you do to... Or what do you say to those you love? And who don't you love? If you've embraced God and you've embraced Jesus, who do you not love? I mean, even those that have wronged you, you still love them. Even those 
that have stumbled and, and are in a horrible position, you still love them. I know some parents have to have tough love and all kinds of things like that, and it never says that you, that you don't engage in tough love or you don't engage in those actions, but you always love. And have you ever known somebody who did something out of love that was hard? They told somebody no. Have you ever done that or seen that done? But it doesn't mean you love them less. Matter of fact, sometimes it means you're placing your very heart on the line. Jesus said he was coming. That it is our right to enter the city if we wash clean our robes. So I ask us all, wash them clean. Clean in the word of God. Clean in his love. If you believe you can ignore a commandment, is that showing the love that you have for God? And what is the newest commandment that Jesus gave us? To love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. You know, as I said, this scripture I hadn't read before, where Jesus has God in him and we have Jesus in us. The glory God gave to Jesus, Jesus gives to us. Have you ever thought of that? What glory does Jesus have? Can you even imagine? He has the glory of God. And through Jesus, through washing our robes clean, we have that right also. So seize the opportunity. One in being with the Father. But Jesus said it's not just him that is one in being with the Father. It is us. So take the step. Grab hold of the love. Show it to those around you. But more importantly, also, don't ever let go. Love yourself, love your neighbor, love your enemies. It doesn't mean that you are weak. It means that you have a strength that is unbelievable. And as God is, as Jesus is in God, so too let us be in Jesus and let his love shine through us. As I said, this scripture caught me off guard because I didn't remember it. But I truly needed to hear it. Amen.